0: We're going to go to the book of Exodus tonight, the book of Exodus, chapter number 12, Exodus in chapter number 12. We'll continue on in our series on the atonement, the scarlet thread. Exodus chapter 12 and look at verse number one if you'll follow along we're going to read down just a not a lot a few verses here. Exodus chapter 12 <clears throat> excuse me in verse number one and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying this month shall be unto you the beginning of months it shall be the first month of the year to you speaking unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, and ye shall take it out from the sheep, or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up unto the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood, and strike it on the two side posts, and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. <clears throat> and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire, and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, and your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. And will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt." Now I'm going to ask you to leave your Bible open there because we're going to cover, we're going to bounce around a little bit in the book of Exodus tonight. I don't do a lot of that, but we're going to look around tonight as we go on through studying the atonement. And I'd like for you to follow along as I try to preach on the subject. There is wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's absolutely the truth. Let's pray and we'll get going. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we are very thankful once again Lord, for the folks that are here tonight and those that are watching by live stream. And we pray, Lord, as we get into your word now, that you would arrest our attention by your precious Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, that we would uh, tune in and we wouldn't miss whatever you have for us tonight. Again, you're a personal God and you want to speak to us. So I pray, Lord, that we would be hungry to hear from you and we wouldn't miss what you have. Uh, Lord, Bless is only you can bless. We'll trust you with these things for we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. <clears throat> Excuse me and please do be seated. Okay, here we are in the third message of this series. Let's do a little review. <clears throat> We're studying the atonement so we need to know what the word atonement needs and I, means. And uh, I said that on that first message that it's an at one. It's restoring the relationship between God and man, uh, the the oneness that was severed in the Garden of Eden by Adam and Eve's sin. And so think about the lesson that or the principle that we learn about atonement in the Garden of Eden. And we could go over back over to Genesis three and we won't do that. But we we learned that for God and man to be reconciled to one another, a sacrifice must be made. He sacrificed the animal to make uh, coats of skins uh, for Adam and Eve, uh, even though they tried to do it on their own with the fig leaves, wasn't good enough. So blood had to be shed and the skins, uh, the coats were made of skins by God himself. And then we think about the lessons or principles that we learned from Adam abraham's experience on mount moriah as he was going up there to sacrifice his only son Uh, we learn this everyone needs alone uh everyone needs atonement everyone needs atonement everyone you can't love god enough i would say that abraham loved god wouldn't you come on he loved god i I mean he served god when god asked him when god asked him to go uh, he went in fact, you can't obey God enough because man i 'm telling you he said, "Abraham, I want you to take Isaac, I want you to go up to the mountain, I want you to sacrifice him, and the next thing we read is he got up early and took off to do that, so he was love he loved God, he was willing to obey God, but you can't love him enough, and you can't obey Him enough, and you can't give God enough to atone for your own sins. God had to provide himself a lamb even up there on the mountain as Abraham did what God told him to do. And these are lessons that the people of God had to learn as, as, the, as things were unfolding. Uh, God was teaching mankind to hope in a redeemer. So in a message tonight, uh, we're going to go to Exodus here where we find the descendants of Abraham. They're living in bondage in Egypt. Uh, two men Uh, are pitted against each other pharaoh and moses and after a great contest of wills the will of god and the will of pharaoh the decision came um, when the death angel passed through the land of egypt killing every firstborn son in the land except for those that had sought shelter in a house protected by the blood of the lamb so from these circumstances we learn another principle of atonement which is this there is power in the blood of the Lamb. I, I, before I got saved and I they talk about the lamb of god and they talk about the blood of the lamb and all these things i had no idea no earthly idea what in the world they were talking about and what's all this blood about and what's all this lamb about but man after i got saved and began to read the bible and understand exactly what the lamb of god has done for us man the, the blood of jesus christ is so very precious wonderful precious and it is very, very powerful. One of my favorite hymns that we have sung for years and years is, is There is Power in the Blood. Amen. Power in the Blood. Amen. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's see if we tuned in here. Let's do a little fill in the blank. Uh, it goes Would you be free? Free from the power of sin. Would you be free from the power? Okay. Would you be free from the power of sin? Okay, I'm not a good choir leader. I can tell right now. Okay, would you or would you or evil victory win? Yeah, because there's wonderful power in the blood. I have victory in my life because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I have victory in my life. No, 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 no. We, can't, we, we, cannot, we cannot overlook this. We should never get to a place where we don't think about the wonder-working power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Yes. And so it's very, very important. And that exact truth is illustrated by the Passover and God's deliverance of the Jews from the land of Egypt. So... In Exodus here, the book of Exodus, we have now fast-forwarded 600 years past Mount Moriah to the land of Egypt. And during that time, some changes have taken place. Isaac and his wife had given birth to two sons, Esau and Jacob. Uh, the covenant of blessing that God had made with Abraham was transferred by God from Abraham to Isaac, and then from Isaac to Jacob and his descendants. And God had changed Jacob's name to Israel, and the Jewish people had had uh, 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 begin to be called the children of Israel. And then when Jacob died, uh, the children of Israel were living in Egypt, not in the land of Canaan, which God had promised them where they really should have been. And that led to one of the most hard times in Israel's history, and that's the Egyptian bondage. And Exodus tells us the story of that time and what God did to set his people free. And so we think about Israel's time in bondage. Turn back to Exodus chapter 1, just a few pages back in your Bible. <clears throat> Exodus chapter number One. So we think about the expression of God's blessing upon the jews look look at uh, look at Chapter one, verse number one. Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man in his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, and uh, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, Asher, and all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls for Joseph was in Egypt already and Joseph died and all his brethren and all the generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Um, so what did God promise to do for Abraham? Promised to make him a great nation. There's a promise. I'm going to make you a great nation. So what had God been doing in Egypt during all of this time? He'd been keeping his promise. Go on. They were in bondage in Egypt, but God was still keeping his promise. It says the land was filled with them. And so, I mean, they continued to grow and grow and grow, and God was keeping His promise no matter what their circumstances were. Somebody say amen right there. God will keep His promises no matter how bleak things might look in our life. We can trust God no matter what to keep His promises that He gives to us. God had promised to make Israel a great nation, and He had done that. And they have multiplied so much that they are seen as a potential threat to the Egyptians. And that didn't, that didn't escape the notice of the new king of Egypt, and that led to their enslavement. The explanation of Egypt's enslavement to the Jews is this. The book of Exodus, please get this, the book of Exodus is both historical and theological. We know this for sure. Moses and Pharaoh were real men. These were men that lived. They were real men. The places named can be located on a map. You get a map and you can find those places. The events unfolded exactly as recorded. And at the same time, God is teaching and illustrating spiritual truths all throughout the book of Exodus. And if we overlook them, ladies and gentlemen, we will miss some of the most important lessons that God intends for us to learn. So the source, of Israel, uh, the source of Israel's bondage was a new king. Read on with me there in chapter number one, verse number eight. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, <clears throat> which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, behold, the people of the, people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Uh, come on, let us deal wisely with them. Let, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, uh, Pithom and Ramses. So <clears throat> they have this new king, this this Pharaoh does anybody know what animal was on pharaoh's crown anybody boy i'm playing stump the band tonight ain't i'm telling you it was a cobra it was a serpent oh what's the big deal about that well the king of egypt is identified as the seed of the serpent I think we studied that over in Genesis chapter 3, didn't we? And so he's identified as the seed of the serpent. And the seed of the serpent who sees the multiplying seed of Abraham as a real threat uh, to to the To the Egyptians makes the Israelites the servants of his will, fulfilling his purpose, and it was very severe what was going severe, what was going on there, verse number twelve, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel, and the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in an all manner of service in the field. All their service, wherein they made them serve, was with rigor. And so, So their their bondage was very very severe. But one thing Pharaoh could not do was to keep God from blessing His people and keeping the promise He had made to Abraham. They just continued to grow, continued to multiply. They continued to go forth, and the more God blessed them and and grew them, the more Pharaoh sought to keep them in bondage and to make their lives as bitter as possible. You know, it been it has been noted. That this was only possible because the children, now get this, this important point. This was only possible because the children of Israel had become comfortable in a place that they did not belong. They had forgotten that Egypt was not their home. They belonged in Canaan. No, no, that was their promised land. They belonged in Canaan. But they had become comfortable in Egypt. They were not Egyptians. They were children of Israel, uh, the people of God. And it wasn't until they remembered that fact that they were ready for God to deliver them. And we know that we have God's promise of deliver, delivering, uh, deliverance. Uh, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, it states that the seed of the serpent would bruise the heel of the seed of promise, but the seed of promise would bruise the serpent's head. And so when God raised up Moses to deliver his people, he was demonstrating, God was demonstrating his ability to keep that promise. Uh, God was very aware of Israel's condition. He was very aware of it. No, no, turn over to chapter 3. We're doing doing good here. Turn over to chapter 3. Excuse me. And look down to uh, verse number 7. Chapter 3, verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. That should be comfort to some people sitting in here right now. Come on, God knows us. He knows exactly where we are. Whatever we're going through, He takes note of us. Okay, verse number 8. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land of, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the per- uh, uh, Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians... Oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, excuse me, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I think there's a real good point to be made here. Sin may separate people from God's blessings, but it cannot separate them from his compassion and love. Not going to do it. I'm thankful for that. Very thankful for that. Um, God did not just feel pity for the Israelites. He had a plan wherewith he could rescue them from this oppression that they were under. Excuse me. And so you might say, well, what's God's answer for Israel's condition? Uh, Turn over to chapter number six. And look at verse uh, number five, chapter six, and verse number five. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it you for an inheritance. I am the Lord. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel. Listen, but they hearken not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Now, he, he, God told them, I'm going to rescue you from the bondage. And in verse 7, he told, you, he told them, basically, I'm going to reconcile your relationship to me. That's what I'm going to do. so again the purpose of atonement is to make us at one with God again because we've been separated by sin. Um, So what would that tell us about Israel and their relationship to the Lord at the time? Well it it tells us this, in the same way, listen, in the same way that a pharaoh Could come upon the scene of whom it would be said that he knew not Joseph. The Israelites had come to a place, get this, had come to a place where it could be said that they didn't really know their God that well anymore. Well, what makes you say that, preacher? Because of that last thing we read there, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel God's got a plan. He's going he's gonna to get us out of this. And then it says, But they hearken not unto Moses, his message, for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Okay, let me stop here just very briefly. Um, this world can be very cruel, can't it? Oh, come on. Sometimes we feel like we've been dealt hands that we shouldn't have been dealt. Don't we? But God is faithful. He's always faithful. And we have to keep our eyes upon Him. And that's why we have to work at keeping our relationship close to Him. Because this life is not fair. It's not fair. And there will be things that happen in this life that we think... I'm, ne- this is this, I'm never going to get out of this. No, no, no. God is faithful. Amen. And if we are trusting in his promises, it will help us to maintain that joy that he says we should be full of all the time because we know no matter what we might going, be going through at any given time that there's still a God in heaven, Amen. that his promises are still true, and whatever he has said will come to pass we know that absolutely so but these people were beat down What were well, they beat down by the world Egypt is a picture of the world in the Bible and they have been beat down by the world you know why they were beat down by the world because they shouldn't have been there no they needed to be where God wanted them to be they were in a place they shouldn't have been. And, and, and because they were in a place they shouldn't have been, they ended up in captivity. They ended up very burdened by the things that surrounded them at that time. And what they allowed it to cause in their life was a um, <clears throat> was a distrust in God. It's almost like, well, well, now we're here and I don't know what we're all going to do about this. Well, how about this? Look to God. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. He'd carried them through so, so very much. So very much. But he had promised that he was going to return them to their Land of promise there in verse number 8. and I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for an heritage. Then he says this, I am the Lord. Well, I know that's all good, preacher. But you know, I just don't feel like, let me stop you right there. Those feelings can be a real detriment to your walk with God. Because feelings can be very real, but most of the time they're not reality. And they will keep you from being everything that God would have you to be. And they will keep you from having the victory in your life that God wants you to have. Simply because we get to a place that we are not trusting God to be God anymore. It's a bad place to be. We know this. Israel could no no more deliver themselves from the bondage of Egypt than we can deliver ourselves from the bondage of sin. I'll say that again. We cannot deliver ourselves from the bondage of sin. That's up to God. We have to depend upon Him. Every Jew of that generation was born into slavery. All of them. Most were subject to cruel taskmasters. And even those who were given positions of prestige back during that time. And, and power, if you will, among the Jews were never allowed to forget that they were slaves. I mean, it was they were beat down every day of their life. That they were just slaves. And their only hope of deliverance from the cruelty and, and the seed of the serpent was for God to keep His promise and send a Savior. And so the Passover was a way by which God illustrated this truth. He was illustrating a very, very important truth. And so we think about the pictures in the Passover. The Passover reinforces the truth that God's method of delivering men from their sins is through the blood of the sacrificed lamb. It's the only hope that any of us have, the blood of Jesus Christ. And when God passed through Egypt on the night of the Passover, deliverance was determined by just one factor. Just one. Had the people, now listen, had the people sought refuge in a home where the blood of the lamb had been applied to the doorpost. That was the only factor. There wasn't anything else. Well, I've been a good person. Did you apply the blood? Don't need the blood. I've been a good person. No, no. Do you see? I mean, no, there was only one thing there. Only one thing where no blood was applied. The firstborn son died. Every household. Turn over to Exodus 12, where we started there. Because God's got a plan for salvation. And God's plan involved two steps. And the first pictured God's promise, and the second pictured man's responsibility. Uh, The blood of the lamb must be shed. Look at verse 3 again, if you would, please. It says Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers a lamb for an house and if the household be too little for the lamb let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls every man according to the eating his eating shall make your count for the lamb your lamb shall be without blemish a male of the first year ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats and ye shall keep it unto the 14th day of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening verse 7, and they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side post and the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. So it was the blood of a sinless substitute. We're talking about an innocent spotless lamb would die so that the sons would not have to die. And the lamb's blood was sufficient To save everyone, get this, to save everyone, no matter how small, no matter how large a family might be. One lamb, one spotless lamb was all that was required to spare that home from the coming judgment of God. And God's purpose is to show us that there is, that there is a seed of the serpent. Those who, who Jesus later described as being of their father, the devil. And, and upon them, God's judgment will fall. It's going to fall. And the only, the only way to escape that judgment is through the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Surely. The, the New Testament makes it very clear that we Uh, uh, that the offer of salvation is extended to everyone. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will may come. So the blood of the lamb had to be applied. We read that there in uh, verse number 7. Look down at verse number 12. It says, And I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are and when I see the blood I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt so it wasn't enough for the lamb just to be killed there's been some along the way that said well really what was important was Jesus' death no he had to die but his blood had to be shed he had to shed his blood for the sin of mankind a man And then a man in this situation had to take the blood of the lamb and apply it to the door of his home. And if he didn't, then a son would die. And the only reason man, please get this, the only reason man would neglect or refuse to apply the blood is if he did not believe it was necessary. Well, have you slaughtered your lamb? I don't need to do that. But you heard what God said, right? Nah, I don't think I believe that. No, really, it's that it's that basic. It's that simple. Truly, I mean, he, he laid it out, and we know this for a fact because we got the we have the New Testament. Jesus Christ shed His blood so that all could be saved. That all could be saved. Everybody, anybody that was willing to believe and come to Him. John three 16, we've already heard it for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life so only those who believe in Christ as their personal savior will be saved it goes on in John chapter 3 verse 17 says for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved and verse 18 says he that believeth on him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God so there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ and in these verses we see the power of the blood to accomplish three things in our life the power it has the power to impart a new life a new life to us Um, verse number two says this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So, so this new life, the beginning of the months, being saved by the grace of God means getting a brand new start in life. Being born again by the Spirit of God. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But also the power to protect from God's judgment. We read it there in verses 12 and 13. In the middle of verse 13, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Uh, Every man, every man is guilty of sin. Every man, woman, boy, and girl is guilty of sin. Everybody's guilty of sin. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And every man, woman, boy, and girl deserves to be punished for their sins. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus shed his blood to save us from the condemnation of God and the judgment that our sins truly do deserve. Romans chapter 10, verse number 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But I love this part because there is also power to release from sin's bondage. I love it. Look at verse number 11 again. It says, And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, and your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. Um, uh, it is the Lord's Passover. Look way on down in the chapter now to verse number 30. Verse 30. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, and he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was, n- there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel and go serve the Lord as ye have said. The power to release from sin's bondage. They were protected by the blood of the lamb and then they were able to go their way because of the blood of the lamb they were set free no 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 Israel was set free from their slavery and sent out of Egypt that they might serve the Lord's what it says right there that they might serve the Lord instead of serving Pharaoh and of course in the months of uh, months of Mm, come on, brain. In the months ahead, as they as they uh, uh, parted, uh, uh, saw and, and uh, parted, saw the parting, and crossed the Red Sea, walked across on dry land, and as they received manna from heaven and water from a rock, they would learn what it meant for them to be more than conquerors through the one that had loved them. Continuing on this journey, because God we read it God had seen their oppression listen he had seen their oppression don't miss this one he had heard their cries it's not a bad thing to be crying out to the Lord on a pretty continual basis is it with whatever might be going on in our life whether it's just to help us to be a better Christian, which all of us need along the way, or whether we are, whether we are in bondage to some sin that we can't seem to get past. I'm telling you, the cries of, uh, the, our cries up to the Lord do not go un, uh, unheard. He's up there. Absolutely so. He heard their cries. He raised up the deliverer, and He had set them free. God did that because of the blood of the lamb. <clears throat> the gospel tells us that we come into this world needing deliverance from the bondage of sin and the fatal judgment of God. And the great thing is is that the salvation we need is available because God has provided a sinless substitute, Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God who was slain, excuse me, for the sins of the whole world. His blood is applied, pardon me, his blood is applied to our lives when we receive him as our Savior. And I have found out that he can cleanse the deepest stain of sin. No doubt about it. Very thankful. And when we receive Him as our Savior, at that very moment, we become new creatures with the ability, the ability to live a newness of life. And from that point forward, we are eternally protected from the judgment of God that our sins have earned. We're protected by the blood of the Lamb that has been applied to our life. We no longer are bound to live as slaves unto sin. We don't have to do that. But we can live each day. We can live each day in service to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going to say it again. We can live each day in the service of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Lord Jesus Christ. We can live in service to Him if we so choose to. A lot of people don't have the victory that they could have because they have not chosen to serve the Lord the way that they could if they would simply decide to do that. So what about you? Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb of God? Are your sins forgiven? Do you know That you're saved by the grace of God. There's no greater decision that we need to make before we leave this life. That we've truly been born again by the Spirit of God. That God has given us new life by His precious blood. And that we can have victory over sin if we'll claim it and believe and act upon The promises that we have right here. Not our feelings, but the promises that God gives us. And if you are saved by the grace of God, are you living that victory that the blood offers? Because there is wonder-working power in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or are you still just trusting yourself? Trying to do it your own way without any dependence, really without any dependence on the victory that you're promised through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, if you're not saved, you ought to come and get saved. And if you're saved and you're not, no, 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 and you're not taking advantage of the wonder-working power that the blood of Jesus Christ has, you might need to come and just throw yourself upon the mercy of God tonight. Because He has the power to save your soul and He has the power to set you free if you'll just believe. If you'll just believe. Let's all stand. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we tried to deliver the message the best that we uh, could with your help. There's some great truths that were poured out there. I mean, great, powerful, powerful truths that were given in this portion of Scripture. And certainly the most important is that uh, the blood of the precious Lamb of God, your only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, was shed for the sin of mankind, that we might know you in the free pardon of sin, that we might be saved by your grace Lord, that we might know you as our Heavenly Father. And I pray if there's someone here that is not saved, Lord, that you would deal with them as only you can deal with them. Convict them deeply of their need of a Savior and help them, Lord, to even come tonight to the realization that they need to trust Christ before it's too late. And then for us that are already saved, Lord, maybe we're struggling. Maybe we're just struggling with day-to-day. Maybe we don't understand some things that are happening in our life. Or maybe we, under, we are under severe bondage. And Lord, we need your help. I pray that folks would come. Lord, that we would just learn to trust you more for what you can do as we stand upon your promises, as we live by faith and not by sight. Help us, Lord, these next few minutes, we pray. Thank you for your goodness. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Piano's going to play. Many have come to the altar. You need to come.